Has, uh, has anyone ever tried out for a sports team? Has anyone ever kind of done the tryout for a sports team? Uh, maybe, maybe when you're in school, like you had to try out to get into the, the school team or, or for maybe there's some people in the room who aren't very sporty and maybe you had to try out for a school band or something, like an audition for a school band. Anyone ever have to do that? Oh, that auditioning is kind of scary work. Our, um, our kids over the last few years have, have had to try out for, for lots of different sports at school. They're, they're trying to explore what, what sports do they love playing. And, and at school, they get a really good opportunity where they're uh, into school carnivals. Do you remember those inter-school carnivals where you go and play, play sport for a whole day? It's just like the best fun. But there's only a certain number of spots in those teams, right? And so to get into those teams, you have to turn up at an after-school kind of training session or a lunchtime training session. And you have to prove that you're, you're worthy to be in that team. And it's a, I want to tell you, it's a bit different from what I grew up with now as to how you find out as a kid whether you made those teams or not. When I, when I was at school, it's a bit like those US movies, that, that they literally would post on the sports department door like a list of the team. And you would have to go at school and check out the list. Did I make it? Did I not? Quite public. Pretty, pretty sad when you didn't make the team in those. Um, but what happens now is we as parents get the email. It just comes in an email that your, your kid has made a certain team. So Levi, over the last week, he tried out for his footy team for school, for, a, for an inter-school carnival. And he has been pestering me every day. Dad, check your emails. I want to see if I made the team. Dad, have you made the team? Who knows that those kind of emails, those lists, lead to either great joy, right? I made the team. Or, unfortunately, great disappointment at times, don't they? I kind of feel the same uh, when it comes to weddings. Now, hear me out. Who knows that weddings are the, the greatest party that there is? Does anyone? Come on, give me a wave if you agree with me. Weddings are like, and I've said this before, weddings, there's great food, there's dancing, there's, there's lots of drinks, non-alcoholic drinks, of course, flowing, there's, uh, there's dancing, there's, I, I just think you're celebrating love, you're celebrating friends. I, I love weddings, but do you ever like hear that someone's getting married and you haven't received an invite? And so, you know, just in conversation with friends, you're just sussing out, uh, so uh, has there been an invite or not? Or are you invited? And there's that awkward moment of like, you find out who is in and you find out who is out. And again, great joy or disappointment. Is it okay if I spend the next 10 minutes just sharing some good news with you? I'm glad that you're here and I want to share some good news. And it, it's good news for all of us. And we're looking at uh, Luke 15 today. Uh, Jesus tells these three stories. And we're going to look at one of the stories. Nick actually looked at one of the stories last week if you were, if you were with us. If not, catch up on Spotify. And I want to specifically look at the first story that Jesus tells in Luke 15. Uh, we're... 
The scripture verse will be up on the screen. You can read along. Luke 15 verse 1. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbours saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Can we quickly pray and then we'll just unpack this together. Uh, God, thank you that you're here. Thank you that we, we just get to be together. Thank you that you are in our midst, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you teach us, that sometimes you correct us. We just ask that as we look at this text this morning, that it would come alive. Um, we pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so Jesus, is, uh, Jesus tells this story in response to the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law. You see, Jesus had been teaching and he had been healing people. He had actually even been feeding people. And, and a crowd had started to follow, follow him. Wherever Jesus went, everyone knew. It was, he was kind of becoming a pretty big deal. And we see that a big crowd had followed. And a big crowd means that there's all sorts of people in that crowd, right? It wasn't just one particular type of person. But there were, there were all types of people. And, and the story tells us, Luke tells us that there were tax collectors and there were sinners, as he puts it, who had started to really like lean into what Jesus had been teaching. In fact, we see that they're the ones who were probably trying to get the closest to Jesus when Jesus was teaching. They were eager, eager to hear more of what Jesus was saying. Now, when Luke says tax collectors and sinners, we, we probably should know who he's talking about. And first, he's talking about tax collectors. Like it says, tax collectors. Who, who enjoys getting tax out of their pay? Does anyone enjoy getting the tax out? Do you know what I do enjoy is, uh, is tax return time. That's pretty good. But tax collectors weren't just people who, it wasn't just the government taking a tax to make sure the infrastructure was better and that we had education for our kids and healthcare. It wasn't tax for that. This was tax collectors who were their own people, other, other Jews, and an oppressing force had actually taken the land, the Romans. And these tax collectors were actually ripping off their own people to give to the Roman oppressors. I don't think, they, they weren't really, they weren't straight up people. They used bullying tactics, we hear that. He, they could really do whatever they wanted because the Roman army had their back. And so they were quite often some corrupt people. So, so you can understand why the Pharisees and the, the teachers of religious law, the religious people of the time, kind of didn't really like the tax collectors. And N.T. Wright tells us the sinners, the group of sinners, 
is most likely the poorest in the town. People who couldn't, who didn't have kind of the access to education. They didn't grow up in religious circles. And there are people who kind of didn't live maybe as the Pharisees wanted them to live. Who knows that people love to have exclusive clubs? Do you know that? People love exclusive clubs? No one is agreeing with me. You're looking at me like, what are you talking about, Nath? People love exclusive clubs. I just, and this has come up for like about the third week in a row, The Simpsons. The Simpsons, I watched an episode called The Stonecutters. Does anyone remember The Stonecutters episode? No, only a few of you. Pretend like you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Anyway, the, the story is that Homer has never been included in anything in his whole life. In fact, it, it kind of does a cutaway of the No Homers Club when he grew up. And then he questions them because he's like, there's another Homer in the clubhouse. And, he, and they're like, it's Homer's Club, No Homer's Club. People love clubs. They love to figure out who's in and who's out. I don't know, I guess it kind of makes you feel a bit more special if you're part of the exclusive club, right? The Pharisees and the scribes, the religious people, they started accusing Jesus of hanging out with the wrong people. We see in that first verse, they were saying that Jesus was welcoming and he was inviting the wrong type of person. What had happened in this situation, in this context, was that there were a group of people, the teachers of religious law, who who thought that they knew who should belong or who shouldn't belong. They had set up a really complicated system of rules to make sure they knew who was in and who was out, who was welcome and who wasn't. They were pretty much saying to Jesus, Jesus, like, you got to calm down, man. You are giving these people the wrong impression that they're welcome at this table. And Jesus responds by telling this story, the story of the lost sheep. Not only is Jesus telling these guys that the tax collectors and the sinners were welcome and invited, But he's telling them that actually in the story of the sheep, that he's pursuing them. He's searching for them. He's looking to pick them up and carry them back with him. Has anyone ever been lost before in the room? It's a a pretty awful feeling to be lost. I am... I have an amazing sense of direction, so I've never been lost. But it must be an awful feeling. I remember being a kid. I remember being a kid and following some people who I thought were my parents. Do you remember that? And before you know it, you're like, that's not mum and dad, and I don't know where I am. And it's an awful, awful feeling. Uh, this is a story that, that I've probably shared with, with a lot of you before, but we have, we have three kids. That's a story I've probably shared with you before. You, you may see it. But one day we had an awful, awful experience where we lost Levi. And 
And you know, the usual story is that you're at a shopping centre and your kid just goes missing and that, that's panic stations. But, but I think it may have been worse because we were at home. And at first we thought, this is just hide and seek, you know. Le- Levi was quite young, maybe. We were talking last night, maybe about two. Um, and, and, you know, like, so we searched the house. We looked in all the normal hiding places, our, you know, our walk-in robe. No, he's not there. He's not kind of hanging out there. Then we looked in the bedrooms. Uh, Levi, where are you? And by this stage, we're kind of like, oh, he must be in the backyard. Not an issue. And so we went into the backyard and there's no one there. At this point, you know, you start to get a bit paranoid. And I'm like, I definitely heard the front door open a few minutes ago. It didn't occur to me at the time to check on my kids. But anyway, we, we kind of did the rounds again around the whole house. This time a little bit quicker, a little bit more hurried. Me and Susie had, had split up. And by this stage, I'm like, maybe he, he's definitely gone out the front door. And so I bolt out the front door and, you know, like your mind again starts to go nuts and you go, yeah, I heard the front door. Hold on. I heard a car take off not that long ago. And so your mind starts to play. And so I run out the front yard and I'm looking around and he's nowhere to be seen. He's only little. He can't have gone too far, right? At this point, I say to Sue, we've got a park down the road. We're in Overland. He may have just run off there. I'll go that way, Sue. You, you go left. I go right. Let's check the street. I run to the park. In, like at this stage, your heart is a mess, right? Get to the park and I look out on the crossy ovals. There's no one there. I get on the phone to Sue's. What is happening? Have you found him? Is he there? So he's like, nah, don't know. I'm like, I don't know what we do. Do we call the police already at this point? And, and run back home. Now, Jude was about three, if Levi was two. And he, he had joined us a bit on the hunt. We had forgotten about him. We had run our own ways. He was just wandering around the front yard. I think he was in the middle of the road. No, no. Um, anyway, we walked back. And, and I, I'll be honest, I was panicked. I couldn't believe, how do we lose our son while we're at home? And of course, I was thinking someone's grabbed him and run. What, what has happened? Through persistence and just sheer volume of, of yelling out his name, we hear this really faint reply. You see, we live next to like an old person's like not a retirement village, just some independent living units with some old people next door. And we heard this faint voice, a Slovakian accent saying, he's here, <laughs> he's, he's here. <laughs> and we've got, was that Slovakian? Nailed it. <laughs> just hold on, Slovakian or Slovenian, I can't remember. One of those. Um, for, <laughs> anyway, we've got this neighbour. An older guy, his name is Frank. The kids loved Frank. Levi had wandered next door to Frank's unit. Frank, being an elderly man, couldn't get out of his chair to tell us. He had heard us yelling. He was yelling back as hard as he could. Levi had come and he was on his couch. Frank was in his armchair. And they were eating quality streets together watching the news. (laughs) That's no lie. 
Levi didn't think it was an issue to go next door. He thought, this is, this is our friend, and he had just decided he'd wander off. But it was, it was panic, can I tell you? Now, we have, we have two other kids. At the time, we only had one, but at, we had two other kids. We knew where Jude was. He was in the house. But we weren't going to stop until we found Levi, right? Why? Because we love him. We want the best for him. We don't want him to be in danger. We, we, want a, we don't want him to have a life that is going to be really tough for him. Because if he had gone off on his own at two years old, who knows, life's going to be pretty tough. <laughs> He's all by himself trying to figure things out. We want Levi to be with us. Let's be real in the room this morning. I know that this morning some of us are feeling a bit lost. Kind of like the sheep in the story. Unsure where maybe you're headed in life. Unsure uh, what to make of family, what to make of work, what to make of friends. Trying to figure out maybe how to do it all alone. Some of us maybe in the room feel a bit lost because of mistakes or choices that we've made in the past. Some of us maybe still don't believe that we could possibly belong somewhere. Or you've been told by others that you are in the not in crowd. Can I tell you some good news this morning? No matter who you are in this room, no matter who you are, there is a God who loves you and he doesn't want you to have to do life alone. He doesn't want you feeling lost or unwanted or, or uninvited. And actually, he has been searching for you. With the same passion and energy that I searched for Levi, I believe that we have a God who searches with the same passion and energy for you with a love that's even greater than what I could have for my own son. And I know you might be like, Nath, I want to tell you, I've been lost for a long time. I, I don't know where I belong. I'm not sure where I'm headed. And Nath, I definitely don't feel like I'm welcome. And I want to tell you that Jesus hasn't actually come and picked me up and, and, and carried me anywhere. How do, you, how do I know that Jesus is looking for me, Nath? And this morning, my reply is, I just want you to have a look around. Whatever your journey is, I believe that Jesus has already picked you up. He has carried you from wherever you were this morning to here right now together. You are here right now and it's no coincidence, I believe anyway. You were invited or brought by someone who cares for you deeply. You were brought by or invited by someone who wants the best for you. And you were probably invited by someone who takes this following Jesus pretty seriously. Jesus talks about when the sheep comes home, right? When Jesus goes, I probably didn't say it explicitly enough. When Jesus is talking about the shepherd who goes to find his sheep. He's, he's talking about himself. That Jesus is the shepherd who leaves the 99 safe behind 
but goes to search for the one. He talks about when the sheep finally comes home, how the shepherd invites everyone to have a party together, to celebrate. Who knows that this morning together kind of looks like a party, doesn't it? That we're going to celebrate together, that there's food, that we get to have conversation. We get to celebrate each other. There's music. And Jesus says that heaven rejoices when just one person repents. Repent and repentance is a, is a very church word, isn't it? Like you hear it at maybe chapel or church. You don't really hear it in normal language. But repentance is when we admit that we don't know the way. Yeah? When we actually admit that I, I, I don't actually know the way forward. And we admit that we're lost and we turn to Jesus looking for the right direction. That's what repentance is. It's actually just a, a turning of our gaze, we, we like to say quite often. Off ourselves or, or off the things we think we can accomplish. And instead we turn our gaze to Jesus. And we look to Jesus for direction. We look to Jesus for those answers. This morning it's really simple and I'm, I'm finishing up. I want you to know this. No matter what you've heard before, anywhere else, you are all invited. All people are invited. All people are welcome. It's not about a list of who's in and who isn't. You may have heard that before. I want to tell you it's not true. I also want you to know that you are not alone. You have been pursued by a God who loves you and that you are surrounded by people who want to see the best for you. And this morning we do have just a, an opportunity to repent. To admit that maybe we don't have all the answers and maybe we don't actually know the right way forward. And so we surrender ourselves. Repentance is a rhythm. I, um, I think sometimes we think of repentance as this one act that we do and it's like, that's it, we've repented, everything's all right, that's it, move on. But repentance is a rhythm, isn't it? It's actually, there's, there's heaps of times where I find that I'm leading myself somewhere. And can I tell you that me leading myself somewhere is not a good idea? Do you know what I'm talking about? And I actually realise, oh, my gaze isn't on Jesus anymore. Actually, there's someone who knows a better way. I need to face Jesus again. Repentance is a rhythm where we continually come back to facing Jesus, following Jesus. So can we do that together this morning? It's just in your own time, we're just going to pray together. But maybe this morning's a chance for you to repent. To go, maybe I don't know the way. It's a chance for us to maybe accept this good news, that you are invited, that you are welcome, that God has been searching for you, that he has been pursuing you, and that he is a God who is willing to pick you up and carry you home. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are a good God and that your word has good news for us. We thank you, Jesus, that you have made a way. 
but that you're a God who relentlessly pursues us. We thank you, Jesus, that in your kingdom, there's not a list of who's in and who's out, but that actually the invite goes out to all. Just in these moments, Holy Spirit, as we respond to that invite, we just repent. We acknowledge that we don't know the best way. And right now we just hand over and surrender to you. Come God and do a work. We just pray, Holy Spirit, that you transform our minds, that you renew our minds. God, we just ask that you seal this good news in our heads, but that it moves from our heads to our hearts and that we also act in our week like everyone is invited. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Before we, um, before we eat, before we kind of party together, celebrate together. I just wanted to, I just want to extend this welcome and invite as a next step for you as well. Sam said at the very start, we're here every week. We meet once a week on a Sunday morning together and we gather together to hear good news and to explore what following Jesus actually looks like. So I just want to again extend that invite every week. Can I tell you it's come as you are? You don't have to pretend. We, we know that we don't always have it all together. You don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to even act a certain way. Come along and let's explore this good news together. It's just an invite to you at all times. It also doesn't have to be in this building, can I tell you? that we're all connected relationally and that you might have questions, that you might have some things that you're thinking about. I encourage you to talk about those things, to share with each other. Is that cool? Did you, did you hear that? Did you take that in? Give me a thumbs up if that's good. That's the response this morning. I see those hands. That's good. Thumbs up. We're just going to...